light of infinite. The concept of doing something lishma for its sake or for the sake of heaven is a key concept in both living in alignment with oneself and living in alignment with our source. It's the inner spiritual work when done with the physical performance of a mitzvah, the commandment, that sanctifies our outer being. The Zohar stresses that ahava, love, and yirah, fear, are the two main ingredients needed for Torah and mitzvot to affect their ultimate purpose. The Hasidic concept of dirah v'taktonim, a dwelling for the infinite light in the lower realms, is often brought down by the Lubavitcher Rebbe. It's expounded by the verse, they shall make me a dwelling and I will dwell amidst them. Vishachanti b'tocham. Grammatically, the text should have said, Vishachanti b'tocho, I will dwell within it, the Mishkan. According to the Shla, this indicates that in addition to building the physical Mishkan, Hashem wants every Jew to make themselves and their home a holy place so that he can dwell among every Jew. So we are each tasked with building a personal temple from the inside out. The more we work on building and revealing that holiness within ourselves and each other, the more Hashem's presence is fully revealed in the world and the closer we get to the third and final temple and redemption. It's a fundamental lesson. Think globally, act locally. The Hasidic masters explain that this is what man is all about. This is the purpose of man's creation and of the creation of all the worlds, supernal and terrestrial, to make for God a dwelling in the lower realms. So this system and teaching of Dira B'Tachtonim shines light on the role of the physical mitzvot, that it is these acts that some might view as mundane and less spiritual that bring us to the greatest spiritual heights. It's the same seemingly lower acts of worship that bring about the greatest unification with the infinite light. Historically, there's always been a danger when one begins to act in a fashion that separates the physical mitzvot, being done lishma with ahava and ira, and attempts to transcend based on their feeling and personal spiritual status. This week, we were introduced to Korach, who did reach great heights, but fell short because of his actions were born of self-gratification. They weren't lishma, which is when one acts only in accordance with their nefesh haloki, which desires self-nullification towards a complete union with Hashem. We read, they demonstrated against Moshe and Aaron and declared to them, You have gone too far. All the community are holy, all of them, and God is with them. Why are you setting yourselves above God's congregation? Korach's argument of everyone being equally holy was motivated by spite and not selflessness. He convinced his faction that there was no need for tzaddikim, forgetting for a moment the tradition of Judaism where the oral Torah and Kabbalah is passed through the tzaddikim. As we read in Pirkei Avot, the first major principle of faith is that Moshe received Kibel, the Torah from Sinai, and transmitted it to Yeshua. The Ibn Ezra holds that Korach's rebellion actually took place earlier than when we encounter it in the story in the Torah. He says the Torah text is not chronological, and that this rebellion actually happened when the Levites, the Leviim, replaced the Bechorah, the firstborn, in the temple service. Korach and his faction demanded that the honor and the status that the firstborn once had prior to the sin of the golden calf be restored. They believed that Moshe had acted on his own, giving the honors and duties of the high priest to his brother Aaron and his tribe. When Korach shouted, all of the nation is holy, he was referencing Hashem's command, sanctify me every firstborn. Korach is said to have been a perpetuator of disunity, sowing seeds of doubt, trying to plant a new seed, not of revolution, but of jealousy. The word name Korach means bald spot. The Midrash says it allegorically means making division, just as a bald spot is something that creates division where unity once existed. Rashi explains that through the beginning of this parasha, that Korach tried to rally the people, countering their commandments. He explained, for instance, that if one wears his beged, the four-cornered garment, made only of tchelet, ancient purple-blue dye, then there would be no reason to wear the tzitzit on them, since the beged is already a reminder of all the Torah, something that tzitzit and tchelet are meant to do. He also said that if one's house is filled with books of Torah, there would be no need to put a mezuzah up, since it already is a house of Torah. The Zohar teaches that 
The tzitzit, when attached to the beged, signifies yirah, fear, reverence, and self-negation. And a house of sacred texts that contain Torah teachings still needs a mezuzah, the scroll inscribed with the Shema, the verse that contains a precept, you shall love your God, and vihaya, which contains the warning about retribution, signifying yirah, fear of God. The mezuzah protects the house through the surrounding ava and yirah. A house full of sacred texts is a beautiful thing, but it's written in the Zohar, without the ava and yirah represented by a mezuzah, Torah will not soar upward. As we learn in Pirkei Avot, Yirah must precede wisdom. In fact, it is the only way for wisdom to endure. Karach wasn't questioning Lishma in order to understand and to keep the commandments in the best way. He was questioning in a way that lacked faith in his mitzvot, being divine decrees. His most pronounced dissent, however, was against the priesthood and their special status. Korah questioned how one group within the Jewish people could be viewed as holier if everyone received the Torah at Sinai. But as we see when we look further into it, he was actually driven by his desire to be high priest himself and not to be the great equalizer. The rebellion ultimately was born of safek, doubt, and envy. The children of Israel started to question Moshe's motives, thinking somewhere along the way he might have become selfish, no longer purely obedient to the word and command of Hashem. That is why Moshe replied, and you shall know that Hashem has sent me to perform all of these deeds. The deepest part of Korach's rebellion is that it questioned the way fate is orchestrated by people of faith in concert with Hashem. Had Korach been successful in any way in reverting all status and honor to the default of firstborn, it would have meant that the status and blessing given from Yitzchak to Yaakov as the forefather of the chosen people would be questioned and in a sense revert back to Esav. That is why Rashi explains that when the Torah states, Korach, son of Izhar, son of Kohath, son of Levi, it stops just before it would otherwise mention son of Yaakov. Rashi says that Yaakov sought mercy, meaning he prayed over his name, to the assembly let my honor not be joined. In a way, not mentioning Yaakov in relation to Korach, in this verse is pointing out to Korach that Yaakov with his blessing reversed the standard of the pagan world that the firstborn always receives the highest status. And he did the same when he blessed Ephraim before Manasseh. So this verse acts as a reminder to Korach that if his wish for the status to always go to the firstborn, were it come to fruition, Korach would actually not be a part of the chosen people, as that status would have gone to Esav and his descendants. Korach's entire rebellion was motivated by his own selfishness, as a firstborn being named the high priest would have been self-destructive. The rebellion only grew in strength when Datan and Aviram of the tribe of Reuven joined. Since the status of Yaakov's firstborn was transferred from Reuven to Yosef, Datan and Aviram suspected that Moshe was showing favoritism to Yeshua, the moon to his son, who is from the tribe of Yosef. Rav Eliyahu Mizrahi in his Sefer Sifte Chachamim points out that Datan and Aviram were not firstborn and had no claim to the priesthood, and that it was only because they were neighbors of a wicked person that they were influenced to join the rebellion. This teaches us how important the company you keep really is. It could be a matter of life and death. Chazal, our sages teach in Talmud Avot, what kind of controversy is not Lishma for the sake of heaven? That of Korach and his assembly. They say Korach and his assembly and not Korach and Moshe because Korach's assembly itself, there wasn't a consensus regarding the end goal. In fact, their opposition to Moshe was their only unifying element. Otherwise, they did not share a common goal. They all had different grievances, and after the bitterness of the spy episode from last week's parasha, they took the opportunity to unify. Their argument wasn't for the sake of heaven, but built on ulterior motives. The Zohar explains Korach's quarrel with Moshe from the verse, and God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. The Zohar says, quarrel of Korach and Aaron is similar to this. Rav Wisnevsky articulates from the Arizal and the Zohar, the division of the water into two atmospheric and ocean water presage the division of Korach. The seven days of the creation week manifest the seven spherot of emotion. Sunday, light was created and chesed became manifest, pure giving. 
Monday, when the primordial water was divided into atmospheric moisture, the upper water, and the oceans, the lower water, Gevura restraint manifested. Water is naturally heavier than air, so in order for it to suspend in the air, it had to be restrained from precipitating, and this aspect of the hydrological system cycle is referred to as the firmament. In particular, however, the upper and lower waters manifest Chesed and Gvura, and the firmament manifests Tiferet, which harmonizes Chesed. This is why the work of creation involving water was not finished until the third day, when the oceans were gathered in order for the dry land to appear, for the third day manifested Tiferet. The Lubavitcher Rebbe explains that on the second day of creation, Hashem did not say, and it was good, because the firmament division was created on the second day. And it wasn't until the third day that Hashem said it was good and included the second day in this blessing because the firmament had been purified, healing the division it created the day before. This teaches us that constriction and concealment creates division, leaving us with the task to reunite all the elements that were once whole. Our entire purpose is to take the fallen sparks of disunity and elevate them to their source, the infinite light itself. The Rebbe explains further that the spies incorrectly considered it a spiritual descent to give up the manna, the bread from heaven, they had in the desert in exchange for fulfilling the mitzvot. Moshe taught them that man's purpose is to unify with the earth and elevate it through Torah and knowledge of Hashem. But Korach and his assembly opposed this, stating that if the purpose is to descend from the ethereal to the concrete, then that would mean that every person has their own path to Hashem, and there would be no need to have Moshe or Aaron be superior to the nation. Korach was haughty, which is associated with idolatry, as is stated in Talmud Sota, lest your heart grow haughty and you forget the Lord your God. Rabbi Nachman of Breslov says that the antidote to haughtiness is to attach oneself to the tzaddik being mindful of the fact that there is always someone greater and wiser than oneself. Instead of doing this, Korach led a rebellion against Moshe. The spies were wrong in thinking that they must engage only in heavenly matters, and Korach and his cohorts were wrong in thinking that there isn't a tzaddik that gives his spirit to all of creation. As we know, Torah is a combination of the ethereal and the concrete, of heaven and earth, of the finite and the infinite, and so we need tzaddikim and priests in order to help us ascend and spiritualize reality. Levi Yitzchak of Berdichev teaches in Kedushat Levi that Korach didn't think that the Torah could assume the trappings of this world. It was at that moment that as we read, the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up with their households, all Korach's people, and all their possessions. Levi Yitzchak explains that it was as if the earth was saying, if you are unwilling to sanctify me through your deeds and to purify me through your service, there's no place for you in this material existence. Man's task is here on earth, not in heaven. Whoever is unprepared for this will return to his spiritual source. Let him not waste time here. Rabbi Nachman teaches, when judgments are secondary to kindness, suffering can be avoided. Suffering comes from the power of the Yitzhahara, the evil inclination, which is another source of judgment. Sin causes arousal of judgment, while serving God causes arousal of kindness. A person must create unity and peace between opposing sides. That is what mitigates divine decrees. The lesson, especially in times like this, is that pointing fingers and blaming others, feeling as though airing grievances while hoping for self-serving resolution, only creates division, hate, and unrest. It's only by taking what feels divided and bringing it together that harmony can be achieved. Our task is to bring godly awareness into physicality, and by doing that, every element and every person is elevated. The tzaddikim are tapped into levels of spiritual reality and divine consciousness that most of us can only hope for. Which is why in Pirkei Avos it says, make for yourself a Rav, a teacher, acquire for yourself a friend, and judge every person on the positive side. Because no one is meant to be alone, and no one should think that they have all the answers. Teacher will show you otherwise, friend will hold you accountable for the times you may feel haughty. Judging others and yourself favorably is the only way to not let the fallen sparks and division create further disunity. Redemption is harmony, feeling of spiritual alignment, while rebellion 
when not for the sake of heaven, will leave the person lost, out of alignment, and maybe even feeling as they have been swallowed up by the earth. I pray that we could begin to eliminate doubt and division and usher in the expansion of an ever-broadening spiritual reality and the Mashiach speedily in our days. Dive in deeper at lightofinfinite.com.